It is suddenly a very busy news day here at WSB. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson. It is 10 after the hour, and the phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. In the Tibbetts case, Molly Tibbetts, as you heard Chris Chandler say, it does appear that the murderer, uh, alleged murderer, I guess we're supposed to say, uh, is an illegal alien. Uh, that story is still developing. The two big stories, though, are Michael Cohen pleading guilty or taking a plea deal to plead guilty to certain charges and Paul Manafort being found guilty on eight of 18 charges. Let's start with Manafort. It's actually the more minor one, except for one point. Uh, the jury, he was charged with 18 things and the jury could not come up with a decision on 10 of those, but on eight of those, they have found him guilty. Uh, of the eight they found him guilty of, um, they were covering up a uh, foreign bank accounts tax fraud or tax evasion and the like, uh, financial crimes. None of those crimes, and this is the important takeaway here, none of the crimes for which Paul Manafort has been found guilty today are related to his time handling President Trump's campaign. Uh, that cannot be stated enough. None of the None of the crimes that Paul Manafort has been found guilty of uh, are related in any way to the president or his campaign. That being said, you do need to wrap that around this. What we are seeing is that the Mueller team that is investigating the president is not just throwing anything out there to see what sticks. They are working to build cases. And to the extent that the jury could not agree on 10 charges against Manafort. It has a lot more to do with how complicated the charges were and the confusion of the jury based on their own uh, approaches to the judge on the matter. They were confused and did not quite understand. They took eight of the ones that they could understand and agree to and found him guilty of those. The other 10, there's been a mistrial. Whether or not the prosecutor will retry is another matter. They probably don't have to, though. They've got him on eight things. They've got him on eight things. Again, none of them related to the president, but related to the president in the sense that the Mueller investigators have been accused in the last number of weeks of just throwing everything out there, hoping what sticks. The jury's probably going to find this guy not guilty, and it's going to scuttle their case against the president. That did not happen. That was the best case scenario for the president. It did not happen. Uh, this shows that the Mueller investigators are very serious about building cases. Now, the other case that was built by the Mueller team and then passed off to the Southern District of New York is the case that really seriously moves the needle on impeachment and causes trouble for the president. The worst case scenario came about today in the Southern District of New York in Manhattan uh, at 14 after the hour. Here's the B. I used the I word and I did it very intentionally. And let me tell you what I mean. Uh, uh, the Cohen situation and impeachment. The president is not going to get impeached over this. He's not. Yeah, we're waiting actually for the prosecutors, I, I think, um, still have a little more they want to say on the Manafort situation this afternoon. But yes, the Michael Cohen stuff is going to be the most interesting one here. 
waiting to see what his lawyers have to say and why this hurts the president so much. And it has everything related to how he pled guilty. Michael Cohen admitted to campaign finance violations committed on behalf of a candidate. Uh, Now, why is that significant? Well, there's established federal precedent here on this, and that is called John Edwards. John Edwards, the former presidential candidate who individuals paid to cover up an affair and love child. And John Edwards wound up going to jail and losing his law license. Not necessarily going to jail, lost his law license, uh, was found guilty. So we got that issued. It is 41 after the hour. Oh, my goodness. This afternoon, uh, big, big, big stuff. Uh, okay, so let me let me give you a, a real quick summation here. Uh, the Manafort stuff isn't a big deal. Uh, and I know people want it to be a big deal because he was the president's campaign manager. But the fact of the matter is that this is all related to stuff that happened well before he was Donald Trump's campaign manager. What it shows us is that the Mueller team knows how to put together a prosecution and can put together a prosecution of complex things, but also that a jury can only process so much. Of the 18 counts, the jury found him guilty of eight uh, and were hung up on 10. The judge declared a mistrial on those 10 and found him guilty on eight. Sentencing has not yet happened. The really big one today is Michael Cohen, and you should know there's a complicating factor to the Michael Cohen stuff. Amarosa Manningalt Newman says she has a videotape, and she's going to release it on Hardball with Chris Matthews tonight at 7 o'clock as soon as this show is done. Uh, I have no idea what it is. I am sure in light of today's news that the Chris Matthews team would not just be trotting something like this out to distract from the others unless they thought it was also uh, sufficiently damaging to the president because he's a partisan. So this is a bad news day for the president who's going to West Virginia, who's going to have a campaign rally, who may say something salacious to try to get the media to talk about something else. But yeah, I suspect just as he's been on Twitter uh, blasting the the Mueller investigators, there's going to be more to this said tonight. The problem with the Michael Cohen situation is that he's essentially pleading guilty to uh, working with a candidate to knowingly pay someone off to shut her up and then fraudulently making invoices to get reimbursed for what amounts to campaign contributions. Um, All sorts of problems there in that they wanted to steer this stuff to keep it off the books. They wanted to avoid having to disclose this information during campaign 2016 but they were doing it because they thought it would impact 2016. That goes to the John Edwards situation. If you will recall the facts of the John Edwards situation, the candidate had an affair with a woman while he was married and his wife dying of cancer. Uh, the the mistress got pregnant. He, individuals, a trial lawyer in Texas in particular, paid money to the mistress to keep her quiet and get rid of the scandal. Edwards got in criminal liability for this. The individual who paid the money as well was criminally liable for paying the money. Uh, The large part was because campaign finance rules in the United States of America require disclosure. 
they require that if you make a payment to to sway an election, if you make a payment to benefit a candidate or harm a candidate, in consequence of a campaign, it must be disclosed and it must be within certain amounts. The exceptions there, though, having to do with, for example, um, third-party groups, 501c4s, 527 organizations. When it is directly related to the campaign, though, there are limits. I forget what the limits are now. I think it's 6400 for primary, 6400 for a general. It may be off on that. Don't hold me to that number. It's less than $10,000, though. It used to be 5000 It's more than that now. They've, they've matched it to inflation these days. Nonetheless, uh, if you do something related to a campaign to benefit the candidate or hurt another candidate, it must be disclosed. Michael Cohen made a payment to Stormy Daniels, the adult film star, and someone else, another film, another adult film star, because they were claiming they had affairs with the president. They did have affairs with the president. And they knew that if this story came out right before the election, that it would hurt the president. So he paid them all to keep them quiet, or he coordinated efforts to keep them quiet. He then tried to seek a reimbursement through the Trump organization. Uh, but this was related to a campaign issue. So one, it, since it was related to a campaign issue, it was ultimately a campaign donation under federal law, classified as a federal donation. And so it exceeded the limits to the campaign. But then two, by trying to seek reimbursement, they made fraudulent invoices for work that was never done, which implicates tax law. So the more they tried to cover it up, the deeper the hole got. And the deeper the hole got, the more the legal complications ensued. And Michael Cohen wound up pleading guilty. Why this is so bad for the president is that in making his plea deal, Michael Cohen said he did so essentially with the understanding of and consent and blessing of a candidate. He did not say which candidate, but unless you're now going to tell me that he was actually working for Hillary Clinton, then it's fairly obvious which candidate he's talking about. And that then suggests the candidate had knowledge. And if the candidate had knowledge, then the candidate can be criminally liable. And essentially what Michael Cohen is saying is that the president is criminally liable. Now, a prosecutor hasn't said that. Michael Cohen is essentially saying that with his plea deal. That could, if the Democrats got back the House of Representatives, bring up impeachment talk. That could hurt the Democrats. We'll see what they want to do. This puts the Democrats in as awkward a position as it does the Republicans. We shouldn't ignore that part. Let me take a quick time out to thank this week's sponsor, ExpressVPN. Now, you may not need a VPN. I do for my work, and I've been trying to find a good one that isn't going to break the bank, and it's sometimes very difficult and it's hard to set up. For those of you who don't know what a VPN is, a virtual private network, uh, it lets you privately and securely use the internet at fast speeds without being tracked by anyone. Oftentimes, you have companies that require you to have a VPN into their um, system, and you just, you, sometimes you need them so you can't be tracked. With all the news coming out about data hacks and breaches, it's hard for me not to be worried about my digital privacy. No matter what you do online, your mobile carrier, internet service providers, they're tracking you. Doesn't matter what your cable company is or your phone company, wherever you're getting your internet from, you're probably being tracked. With ExpressVPN, your internet data is encrypted. Your IP address is hidden. ExpressVPN covers less than 7 bucks a month. 
It's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and dozens of expert reviewers. It has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, your tablet. Yes, you can use them on your phone and tablet. If you're on unsecure Wi-Fi and you want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is for you. Now, to take back your internet privacy today, to find out how you can get three free months, go to expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Eric for three months free with a one-year package. Every day you use the internet without ExpressVPN, you're putting sensitive information at risk. So don't put this off. Protect your online data with ExpressVPN today. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. Well, this is a new one. They were going to first come on camera and do this and have now instead released a print statement uh, but still a rarity. Uh, Senators Mark Warner of Virginia and Richard Burr of North Carolina. Uh, Warner is the ranking Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee and Richard War- Richard Burr, the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Let me read you the statement they have released. We have obviously followed today's reporting about Michael Cohen with great interest. He appears to be pleading guilty to very serious charges. However, we have no insight into any agreements he and his legal team have allegedly reached with prosecutors in New York. What we can say is that we recently re-engaged with Mr. Cohen and his team following press reports that suggested he had advanced knowledge of the June 2016 meeting between campaign officials and Russian lawyers at Trump Tower. Mr. Cohen had testified before the committee that he was not aware of the meeting prior to its disclosure in the press last summer. As such, the committee inquired of Mr. Cohen's legal team as to whether Mr. Cohen stood by his testimony. They responded that he did stand by that testimony. We hope that today's developments in Mr. Cohen's plea arrangement will not preclude his appearance before our committee as needed for our ongoing investigation. Uh, They didn't say they were concerned Cohen might have be in jail or not able to talk to them or anything else. They want to get him back if things have conflicted. Uh, He had made a sworn statement to the Senate and probably wants to cut a deal with them so they don't charge him with perjury. More when we come back. It is nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. And boy, has it been a busy news day. And there's other news as well. Um, uh, let's let's pause for a moment from Team Locker Up all getting locked up and actually talk about some local news for just a moment. We'll come back to it. We'll take your phone calls as well. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Um... Yes, I, I yeah, I did say I, I do think there is some level of irony here that so many of the people who've been chanting locker up are getting locked up. Um little humility maybe would be a good thing. But nonetheless, let's look at Randolph County for a minute. Uh for those of you who who are are completely out of the loop in this, Democrats are accusing Republicans already of trying to steal the vote in Georgia by consolidating precincts in Randolph County, a small county in South Georgia, uh, in order to hurt Stacey Abrams and the Democrats. 
And when you actually look at the facts of the case, uh, that's not actually true, which you all know. But you might as well educate yourself on what the actual facts are because the Democrats keep pushing this and it's simply not true. Fact number one, uh, the precincts that are getting closed, there, there are nine precincts. Seven of the nine they have proposed be closed. Now, first of all, let, let me actually start here. Why are they proposing that these be closed? Well, one of Brian Kemp's suggestions as Secretary of State for rural counties who are in danger of bankruptcy is if you can consolidate some of your voting precincts, he would be okay with that for you to save money because they're having to pay people to man the polls, among other things, and a lot of these counties are very poor. Randolph County is the poorest county in the state and would be bankrupt if counties of the state were allowed to go bankrupt. They can't, um, but they can't raise taxes to meet their, their financial obligations. They have to pay poll workers at each of these polling locations. These aren't volunteers, and they don't have enough poll workers, and they don't have the money to pay the poll workers, so they got to do something. And the polling locations are not um, ADA compliant. They're not disabilities compliant, so they would have to pay money they also don't have to bring them up to ADA standards. Now, they've been going along to get along for a while, uh, even though they've been ignoring the ADA standards. In fact, they held the primary and the runoff in these places. And a lot of people were saying, well, then you ought to do the, the general. I completely agree with that. You might as well keep on doing the general. But let's just put that in perspective, though, that this is a county that doesn't have the money to pay the poll workers for these nine places. One of the ways they decided to save money was to consolidate these polling locations. There are nine of them. They want to consolidate them down to two, uh, make them big voting centers, make them ADA compliant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, one of the pieces of data that you are not being told is that the precincts that they want to shut down – are the Republican precincts. I, I know you haven't heard this news, but it's true. If you look at the precincts that Donald Trump won in Randolph County, those are the precincts that the Democratic Board of Elections wants to shut down. They want to keep open the two Democratic precincts. By the way, those Democratic precincts garnered more votes than the Republican precincts. Yes, Randolph County is a Democrat county. The Board of Election is controlled by Democrats. The County Commission is controlled by Democrats. It is a Democrat county. You're not being told this stuff, and there's a reason you're not. Uh, okay, so here is the deal. The, the Democrats need to begin to paint the scare scenarios for why Stacey Abrams isn't going to win. Remember, what the Democrats have done is they have banked that Georgia is trending left. And what they are confronted with is a Democratic candidate who is running as openly, partisanly progressive as possible, which is going to hurt her in November. So in order to justify her loss and explain it to donors, they're having to work now on all the scenarios. Well, they're suppressing the vote by consolidating precincts in Randolph County. The Russians are hacking the voting booths. Uh, they're suppressing the black vote. They're scaring black voters. They're doing all of these things. This is all about narrative building for the coming November loss. That's what it is. The data simply does not show what they're claiming. 
Brian Kemp supports allowing counties to consolidate precincts in order to save money. He is opposed to what they are doing in Randolph County specifically, though, because Brian Kemp, the Secretary of State, believes that it should not be done in the middle of an election cycle. This is an election cycle. So if they're to do it, it should not be done until after November. Court. That's the Secretary of State's position. And even then, the Secretary of State thinks that they're consolidating too many precincts in Randolph County. The reason Randolph County says they want to do it is because they got to save money. They don't have the money to pay these people, and they don't have the money to upgrade the local voting precincts. And that, that's if you've been down to some of these poor counties, you would understand that. But it boggles my mind that they're out there claiming this is being done to shut out black voters when it's actually the Republican precincts in Randolph County that they want to shut down. All of the precincts that Donald Trump won, those are the precincts they want to shut down. They don't want to shut down any of the precincts that Hillary Clinton won. She won two. And again, it is a Democratic county. Hillary Clinton won that county. Donald Trump may have won the bulk of the precincts, but the other precincts generated more vote. And we're only talking like uh, two, 3,000 votes, people. We're not talking a massive number of votes either. This is, this is, not, a, this is not a county that Brian Kemp thinks he's going to win. And the Democratic spin is that, oh, well, he's just he's trying to, to deny votes from Stacey Abrams. Well, if he was trying to deny votes from Stacey Abrams, you would think he would want to close the Democratic precincts and leave open the Republican precincts. That's not what he's doing. That's not what the consultant has proposed. None of this makes any sense according to what the media is spinning unless you understand that this is all about setting the table for November. This is all about explaining Stacey Abrams' loss. This is all about excuse-making for her coming defeat. The Russians are hacking the election. The Republicans are suppressing the vote. The Republicans are denying people precincts. And you know what? By the way, you can get absentee ballots if you don't think you're going to be able to make it there, if you're not going to be able to drive yourself to the polls, you can mail a request for an absentee ballot, and it will come to you in the mail, and you can mail it back. You don't have to even show up on Election Day. But all that's besides the point. The fact of the matter is, this story has become a national story because it scratches the Republicans are racist itch that Democrats have in the media. And they, this is proof, according to the media, this is just proof that Republicans are trying to shut out black voters. Nothing could be further from the truth. But they don't really care about that. They care about shaping the narrative, and they care about completely convincing people that they are victims of a racist Republican scheme. It all fits for them. It scratches so many media itches, never mind the truth of the situation. Let me take a quick time out to thank this week's sponsor, ExpressVPN. Now, you may not need a VPN. I do for my work, and I've been trying to find a good one that isn't going to break the bank, and it's sometimes very difficult and it's hard to set up. For those of you who don't know what a VPN is, a virtual private network, uh, it lets you privately and securely use the internet at fast speeds without being tracked by anyone. Oftentimes, you have companies that require you to have a VPN into their um, system, and you just, you, sometimes you need them so you can't be tracked. With all the news coming out about data hacks and breaches, it's hard for me not to be worried about my digital privacy. No matter what you do online, your mobile carrier, internet service providers, they're tracking you. Doesn't matter what your cable company is or your phone company, wherever you're getting your internet from, you're probably being tracked. With ExpressVPN, your internet data is encrypted. Your IP address is hidden. ExpressVPN covers less than 7 bucks a month. 
It's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and dozens of expert reviewers. It has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, your tablet. Yes, you can use them on your phone and tablet. If you're on unsecure Wi-Fi and you want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is for you. Now, to take back your internet privacy today, to find out how you can get three free months, go to expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Eric for three months free with a one-year package. Every day you use the internet without ExpressVPN, you're putting sensitive information at risk. So don't put this off. Protect your online data with ExpressVPN today. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. Anybody have any idea how long the line at Hattie B's is tonight? I need hot chicken because my nose is so stopped up. I just need something spicy. This this cold sucks. I'm almost over it, though. Um, What was I going to tell you? I know what I was going to tell you people. Brett Kavanaugh. So the hearings begin September 4th. They're coming up, and Susan Collins is getting attacked by Democrats today for saying that, according to Brett Kavanaugh, Roe v. Wade is settled law. And so she's okay with him. And, of course, they trot out a poll, and it shows, oh, my gosh, she's going to lose in May, she's not up for election this time, by the way, uh, but she'll lose in two years for a vote for Brett Kavanaugh. And if you actually read the polling, no, she won't lose. I mean, they've actually got to scare people in order to make this a big issue, and they've got to mislead people that, for example, Brett Kavanaugh will declare pre-existing conditions laws on insurance unconstitutional, which isn't even up before the court, and there's no guarantee he would. But they're mocking her for the settled law stuff. You know, if you, if you look at all of her uh, picks, though, um, Alito and Roberts and Gorsuch uh, and now Kavanaugh, these Republican appointees, she's released statements on all of them saying they've said settled law, and so settled law, deal with it. And it's her out. It's her way of getting out of, of the implications for what may or may not be. And it's not a bad one. Uh, what's going to happen is that Brett Kavanaugh is going to be a Supreme Court justice, and the Democrats are throwing everything out there and seeing if it sticks. Very much like the Randolph County story. They're just throwing everything out there, trying to see what sticks, trying to see if they can gin up opposition some way or another against Kavanaugh. So, for example, uh, one of the big stories that came out is that Brett Kavanaugh was extremely explicit in stuff he wanted Bill Clinton asked about Monica Lewinsky. When you actually read the memos that Brett Kavanaugh wrote, it turns out uh, that he was very sympathetic to someone being abused by a person in power. Very sympathetic. In fact, it, it makes it look like Brett Kavanaugh should be the poster boy for, for leading the Me Too movement. Um, it, it, it's, it's not a negative story, and they pushed it out as some sort of negative attack on him. They, they don't seem to have any idea how to oppose him. The Democrats seem absolutely flummoxed on what to do about Kavanaugh. So their, their fallback strategy has been to suggest that Republicans are hiding stuff on him. Well, it has come out today there are about 20,000 pages of documents that are not going to be handed over to the Senate Democrats, and it has everything to do with classified work that Brett Kavanaugh worked on while he was at the 
White House. They're not making the documents public. They'll make them available for private review of, of people in the Senate who have the security clearance to be able to see them. And the Democrats are using this to claim they're hiding something. Well, the, none of this stuff could, if, if it was Elena Kagan or Sonia Sotomayor, they couldn't release these documents either because of what they're about with national security issues that he worked on when he was in the White House. So they're screaming that Republicans are hiding stuff. It was very interesting. Today, John Thune, uh, the senator from South Dakota, stood on the floor of the Senate and read the speeches of all the Democrats who came out the day Kavanaugh was nominated to say that they would not vote for him. And after each one, he said, why do you need the documents? Your mind's already made up. Why do you need the documents? Your mind's already made up. It was quite effective if you ask me. This guy is going to be confirmed. Now, when we come back, the demonization of ICE, we need to talk about that and the Nazis. This is so par for the course these days. Welcome back. The phone number, by the way, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is so par for the course. Um, This morning, progressives were outraged at the story of the Trump administration deporting, using ICE agents to deport a 90-year-old, 90-something, who had become an American citizen. They were outraged. I mean, yet again, calling ICE agents Nazis for doing this. No, I'm not I'm not making this up. They were calling ICE agents Nazis this morning when news broke that the Trump administration was deporting a 90 some odd year old American. They were revoking his citizenship and they were throwing him out of the country. Turns out he was a Nazi prison guard who committed atrocities in World War II. So, yes, the, the progressives before the entirety of the story came out were attacking ICE agents as Nazis, and it turns out that they were actually deporting a man who had come to this country, lied about his identity, become a citizen, and was actually a Nazi concentration camp officer who's now being sent to Germany to answer for crimes. Now, you know, that that that's a pretty sneaky thing for these ICE agents, the, these Nazi ICE agents deporting one of their own to throw people off the trail, I guess. This reminds me of the story the other day. There was another outrageous story where people, outraged, it was outrageously outraged that the, the ICE agents were deported a man who he and his wife were on the way to the hospital for her to give birth, and they rounded him up and they deported him. The outrage. Turns out he's wanted for murder in Mexico. You would think that these people would try to wait for the facts to come out, but they're not. This y'all, you can weave all of these stories together with like the the Randolph County story here in Georgia. They don't care about the facts. What they care about is can they convince black voters in particular, but Hispanic voters as well that Republicans under Donald Trump have become racist and are threats to their lives. Therefore, you must go out and vote in mass in November. That's what all of these stories are about. They are about whipping up outrage to convince people that they must go vote in November. They're lying to people. They are misrepresenting stories. They are misreporting, and it is the press as well. And it is all to get people whipped into a frenzy for November. Never mind, I mean, you know, it would be something else if James Hodgkinson had never existed. 
But this is a man who was whipped into a frenzy by left-wing rhetoric and media reports and decided to commit a mass assassination on Republican members of Congress. Thankfully, he was not successful. But we've had three members of Congress in the last few months, all of them Republicans, see individuals get arrested for threatening the lives, their lives and the lives of their family members. People have gone unhinged. And it is a willful strategy by the Democrats to try to turn people out in November. If you think the Nazi ICE agents are coming to get you, you're going to go vote for someone to stop Donald Trump. And it turns out the Nazi ICE agents are actually throwing out actual Nazis and murderers from this country. And you can bet that this terrible situation in Iowa with the missing student is going to become a campaign issue, as it should. I've already seen reporters out there saying, Republicans pounce on the story. Well, of course they should. She was murdered by an illegal alien. And the Democrats said this stuff doesn't happen. Yes, it does. And you can bet the president in West Virginia tonight is going to make this an issue and force the media to cover it in a way they would otherwise prefer to avoid it. And they'll do it as a, well, the president's raising this so that we don't cover this other thing. That's how they'll report it, but they'll still be forced to talk about it. Now, I want to go off on a, on a I want to deviate from script. I mean, heck, this entire night has been uh, live at the improv. I mean, the news has been breaking so fast. We've just been going, I outlined a number of things I wanted to, to talk about today, and we've barely gotten any of them. And now I'm going to go off on a different one. There has been this conversation happening online in the last couple of weeks. Does character still really matter? I mean, if you're getting all these good things from Donald Trump, does character still matter? I assert that character still matters. And if you don't believe that character still matters, all you need to do is look at what happened today. The president, I think everyone can agree, doesn't have the best character. And that's that's not to slur the man, it's not to slander the man, it's not to make you mad, but I think everybody now uh, widely agrees that he doesn't have the greatest character. And he has surrounded himself because of his lack of character with other people who lack character. And in his relationships with these people, he has dealt with them transactionally. When they gave him things he wanted and said nice things, then they're his friend. When they do things he doesn't want and they say things he doesn't like, they're his enemy. It's a very transactional relationship, which is what people without character do. They don't build real friendships. And they surround themselves with people of similar compromised character who also don't build real friendships. And what we're seeing now with Omarosa, with Paul Manafort, with Michael Cohen, is they're willing to turn on him as he's willing to turn on them, the pit of vipers after each other, consuming themselves, because none of them have good character. And that's why character still matters. That's why the president's character matters. You can be getting lots of good stuff from the president. Uh, you, you can have this as transactional as you want. And that's fine. That That's totally fine. But ultimately... What we arrive at is character still matters because if you had people of character surrounding a president of character, you would not have people cutting deals to undermine the president and rushing on TV with surreptitiously recorded audio and video to try to make the man look bad. That's the pit of vipers consuming themselves. Yes, my friends, if you're wondering, yes, character, it still matters. 
even now. It is 54 after the hour, and I just want to go back to the beginning and all the breaking news we've got today uh, on, on the legal front. Paul Manafort, the president's campaign manager, uh, probably going to jail. Uh, 18 counts he was charged with by the Mueller investigators. Eight of them, a jury has found him guilty, including tax evasion, tax fraud, um, hiding bank account, foreign bank accounts, shifting funds to foreign bank accounts, things like that. There were 10 of them. They, these were financial crimes. These weren't easy things to deduce. The jury could not make up their mind. Uh, and so they were hung jury on these 10 things. And um, that's okay. They got him on 10. The judges declared a mistrial, or they got him on the 8. The judges declared a mistrial on the 10. We'll see if the prosecutors want to try to redo them. The problem is that they are very... Uh, complicated things, and the jury didn't seem to understand all of them, so they did their best and went home. Uh, it, it is somewhat interesting to me that it was eight charges, and it's eight charges with Michael Cohen. And this is the one that is particularly problematic for the president because Michael Cohen is suggesting, well, he's not suggesting, he's admitting that it was a federal presidential candidate who he was doing this for. And that he did so with the knowledge of the federal presidential candidate. Now, I misspoke earlier. I said that John Edwards had been found guilty. I actually went back and checked in the jury, much like the Manafort jurors, the jury uh, in John Edwards, they threw the case out. They, they refused to find John Edwards guilty of these things. They found other people guilty, the people who actually made the payment. And therein is probably the saving grace for the president in this is there's never been a a president or a presidential candidate who has been found guilty of something like this. And the odds are that this president would not be either, although it would be very intense. Um, the, the other big issue here, though, with the Cohen situation is that the president cannot pardon him now. The president cannot pardon Michael Cohen. I, I agree with Ben Shapiro on this, who just made this point a little while ago. Uh, why can't the president pardon Michael Cohen? If he's pardoning Michael Cohen for all of these things, and Michael Cohen is again subpoenaed by the United States Senate or the, the Mueller investigators, well, he no longer can take the Fifth Amendment. He can no longer plead self-incrimination. If the president pardons him for these things and all things related thereto, well, then suddenly Michael Cohen's got to speak. If he doesn't speak, he's going to be charged with contempt. And he's going to go back to jail. And even if the president pardons him again, it's going to drive up his legal fees and moves us ever closer to talk of impeachment. Uh, I don't think the president's going to get impeached over this stuff, uh, but it's definitely going to make his life more miserable uh, in the ensuing months. 